All right, got it? Some of you are giving a list of what you're thankful for, which is a good thing. It's a good thing to be thankful. Hey, I, w- I want to share something um, I'm thankful for. Um, you know, we, Robin and I and our, and our kids, we moved back about um, three months ago in, in August. We were able to, to be back, which I'm extremely thankful for. But there was someone in the church who was just so generous, and we didn't have a place to live yet, and so we were looking for rental places and um, somewhere to land, and, and someone in the church... Uh, graciously, a few people actually offered this, but someone in the church graciously offered us to stay in their house for free, and um, they were somewhere else for the last couple months, and so I am so extremely thankful for that kind of generosity. People who just see a need and they're willing to step up and do that, and this week we finally got to move into our house, which was awesome, and um, so we're moving in, and um, it's just, I'm thankful for that as we move towards Thanksgiving. And as soon as I moved in the house and started getting mail at the new address, tell me if this sounds familiar to you. Almost every piece of mail I get tells me something I need to buy for my new house that I just moved into. (laughs) Have you ever had that experience? Like you're inundated with messages about carpet cleaning, and I have tile over the whole house, and blinds, and granite, and wood floors, and all these things that I need in my new house. And I find that it's, it's quite possible for us to be in a moment of gratitude and thanksgiving, and quickly the world tells us that we actually shouldn't be thankful. We should need more than what we have. You know what I mean? I, I think that actually being grateful leads to generosity. I think that when we are grateful, when we realize the great blessings that we have, it causes us to, in turn, give blessings to other people. And this is the story of God. And I think sometimes we forget this. Sometimes we find ourselves in this mindset that God just wants certain things from us. He wants us to do certain things, and there's a list, and we've got to live up to God's list. And we forget that God is simply a generous God who has blessed us beyond what we can even imagine. It begins at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the beauty of a world like this, and he gives it to Adam and Eve. He says, this is your home. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. We should be thankful for that. (laughs) You'll laugh about that later. Um, Take care of the earth. Nurture the earth. Eat from the earth. This is a good gift that God has given us. We move along in the story, and he calls a man named Abraham. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to pour blessings upon you. In other words, I'm going to do some things for you that make your life easier. And what I want you to do, instead of just consuming everything I do for you, I actually want you to be a blessing to other people. I'm going to bless you, and you, in turn, should bless others. And then there's this crazy story when God gives the Israelites their home. It's called the promised land. He gives them their home. Israel, they kind of come into their home, and he gives them these instructions of what to do with their land. It's an agricultural society, so sometimes it's a little bit tough for us to kind of comprehend an agricultural society. Um, how many, anybody grew up on a farm? Yeah, a few people grew up on a farm. I love it. This is like the home where people come from all over the place, right? No one is from Phoenix. You come from somewhere else. But an agricultural society, they move into this area, and they're going to have all these crops. And you know what God says to his children? He says, I want you to on the fringes, on the, on the edges of your crops, I actually want you to leave what's there. Don't harvest the edges. 
which to an American in our day and age sounds ridiculous. That is not productive. That's not efficient. That will not make us as much money as we want to make, right? And God says, no, no, no. I want you to leave the edges of your fields because there are people among you who need. They don't have enough. So for the poor, the marginalized, the aliens, those are the outsiders, leave the edges of your crop. Give good gifts to others. And then the fulfillment of the entire Bible is, is kind of wrapped up in this one passage of Scripture, and it's the most famous verse in the entire Bible. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard this before. Let's see if you can, if you can kind of jump in. And, For God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son. That God was so wrapped up in love with this world. And there's not like strings attached to that. It's not like God so loved certain people or certain ones and not these others. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We have a good father. I love when I can hear the music in the children's ministry. <laughs> we have a good father. And he is extremely generous with us. And he calls us to be generous with others. Now, when we think about generosity, um, oftentimes we're just thinking about money. And I, I want to talk about money here in a minute, but I want to talk about it in a broader sense. I don't want to just talk about money. I want to talk about generosity in all sorts and all manners of things. And the way that I want to do that is I want to begin with a passage of Scripture. And I'm not going to put this up on the screens I'm going to ask you not to open your Bibles for just a second. I just want to read this to us. And I want us to kind of try to grasp some things that Jesus says about generosity in all manners. He says this, Jesus continued, For those of you who are listening, love your enemies and do good to people who hate you. Bless people who curse you. Pray for people who treat you badly. If someone hits you on the cheek, offer him the other one. If someone comes and takes away your coat, don't stop them from taking your shirt as well. Give to everyone who asks, and don't ask for things back when people have taken them. Whatever you want people to do to you, do that to them. If you love those who love you, what's so special about that? Think about it. Even evil people love people who love them. Or again, if you only do good to people who do good to you, what's special about that? Even evil people do that. If you lend only to people that you expect to get something back from, what's so special about that? What is set apart about that? What is different about that? Even sinners or evil ones lend to others to get paid back. No, I tell you. Love your enemies. Do good and lend without expecting anything in return. And if you do this, your reward will be great. You will be children of the Most High. You see, God is generous. He's generous to the stingy and the evil and the wicked and the good. He's generous to all. And you should be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and then you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. 
a good helping squashed down, shaken in, and overflowing. That's what will land in your lap. Yes, the ration you give to others is the ration you'll get back for yourself. The message of Jesus is this countercultural, backward kind of way, not just in the days that he was teaching, but in today's world. The, the ideas that Jesus puts forth for those who would claim to follow him seem ludicrous and crazy. They, they seem to make no sense whatsoever. I mean, consider this. Love your enemies. I mean, Jesus said, love your enemies. Uh, he said, do good to people who hate you. He, he said, bless people who curse you and pray for people who treat you badly. This, this first little passage from this scripture going to pop up, right? <laughs> yeah, not that. That's true. Generous. Uh, Jesus, yes, this one. Thank you. Sorry, Greg. I threw Greg a bunch of curveballs this morning. Um, Jesus continued, love your enemies, do good to people who hate you, bless people who curse you, pray for people who treat you badly. Now, I, you've heard it twice now. Now, just look at it. What would happen if followers of Jesus just took this one little passage and tried to live that out. Do you think if our generosity would have come across this way, that the last month of divisiveness in our culture would have been a little bit different? You see, Jesus calls us to be a different kind of people, not to disengage from politics completely, not to disengage from conversation, not to be passionate about what we believe, but he calls us to do things in a different way than the rest of the world does it. He calls us to do things like love our enemies, to be generous by doing good to people who hate us, to literally pray for people who curse us, those who treat us badly. Now, I find that my first reaction to people who curse me or treat me badly or say I don't know what I'm talking about when I state a political position, I find that my first reaction is to dig my feet in and defend myself. Anybody else feel that way? To feel a need to do that? And then we see the generosity of God coming through the teachings of Jesus and saying, no, 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 no. Yeah, state your position. Engage in that conversation, but do it in a way that is different than what you see in the world. I wish I would have just gotten off of Facebook the last month and a half or two months or forever, you know? Because we find ourselves being sucked into ways of life that are not healthy in the kingdom of God. And God's generosity does not match the ways of this world. The next little passage that I pulled out. Another one, if we could just do this one thing, it would be so much better. Whatever you want people to do to you, do that to them. I mean, even if you don't believe Jesus is who he says he is, wouldn't this change our world? Like if we just simply took a step back when we were engaged with our neighbors or people we can't even see because Facebook kind of is somewhere else and if we just step back and said, you know what, I'm going to do to them what I actually would want them to do to me. And that's not easy. But it is generosity on display. It is the love and the grace that God has poured on us beginning to pour out on other people. And Jesus goes on and he says this, love your enemies again, do good, lend without expecting anything in return, which if you're a banker, I'm sorry, that's just what Jesus said. Um, <laughs> You should still pay back what you've borrowed. Don't hear what I'm not saying. 
Um, your reward will be great. And then, um, and some, we might not believe this to be true. I, I believe it with all my being that this is true. He says, God is generous, right? God is generous. I believe God has been more generous with me than I could ever deserve. I believe he's generous. And then there's this little passage that he ends with, Jesus ends with. And he says this, if you give, it will be given to you. And then this strange wording, this strange phrase, which is somehow difficult to understand, but a good helping, squashed down, shaken in, and overflowing. So if um, I, I like to make lattes in the morning. Some of you say I should probably hand in my man card at this point. <laughs> so I have this espresso machine thing, and what you do is you grind coffee in it, and then you have to press it down, kind of twist it, and if you tap on the side, it kind of settles it down. That's kind of what this is saying. And then when you do that, you keep pressing the blessing of God down, but it still overflows. Like you can't contain it in, in a container. That's, that's what Jesus is saying is that, that when you become a more generous person, that you won't be able to contain what God will pour into your life. Now, pause just a second. There's this thing called the prosperity gospel, which is a false thing. A lot of people, um, I think maybe with some good intentions back somewhere, have said, like, this is, this is you should give because then you get something in return. Like, that God wants you to, to, to do something, to give something, so that then you get something, which is the wrong motive, the wrong heart, and that's not what Jesus is saying. I some people call this karma, but what it is, is it means that when you are good to other people, usually goodness comes back. When you, when you walk in the ways of God, there is some sort of blessing that falls over you that you cannot measure out in human terms. It's just, there's just something beyond what we can fully understand when you do this. When you give, it will be given to you. This is the ration that you will receive back when you give to others. I started making a list of some things just for me, and then I thought this might be helpful for some. And uh, I began with this, that God is generous. And when I, when I see that God is generous, I find that I myself am not naturally generous. It just doesn't come naturally to me. For some of you, it comes more naturally. It's, it's easy for you to share things with others. Um, for some of us, it's a little bit more difficult. We hold on to things tightly, too tightly. Um, one of the first words we learn as infants as we're growing is the word mine. <laughs> mine, right? And it's like we never really get over that. We, we, we kind of make it adult, you know, we're kind of like mine in different ways. It's not like kids pulling it away, but we still have that same idea that it's mine. And it's tough for us to be generous at times. People, I, I struggle with that one. And maybe some of you do. I, for some, it comes more naturally. But for me, I'm, I'm not naturally generous. So if I want to become more like God, if I want to become more like Jesus, right? If, if I want to do this, I must grow in my generosity. It's not at the place that it should be. And I would ask you, is your generosity, not just in financial giving, that's one area, but is your generosity where it should be? And if the answer is no, then that means there's some growth potential there. Growing in generosity is an intentional not accidental journey. We don't 
trip ourselves into generosity. We don't just fall into generosity. It is something that we must be intentional about. And I think this is why Jesus tells us to pray for people who treat us badly. Because it's an intentional thing that we must do to move to become people of grace and mercy in a way that overflows onto other people. It's something that we must plan to do. Now, just for a couple minutes, I'm going to talk about money. And I know for some of you, that means you're going to tune out, and I'm okay with that if you need to do that. Um, If you're new and you're like, see, this is why I don't go to church because he's going to talk about money again, Um, I understand that. I, I get that perspective. Jesus talked a lot about money, and here's why he talked about money. Not because he was trying to get more of it. Jesus never really held any money. I mean, never really like tried to hoard any money. The reason he talked about it is because he believed that money had the potential to take God's place in our hearts. And I believe that to be true as well. I've struggled with that myself. I still struggle with that from time to time, grasping so tightly with money. So I want to talk about money just for a couple minutes, and uh, then I'll call you all back, those who kind of tune out for the next couple minutes. Cool? I started looking at some statistics about generosity and giving. And there's really four categories of giving that Christians fall into. So this is for those of us who call ourselves Christians. Um, And these were mind-blowing to me. Here's the first category of financial generosity or giving. People who give zero. I call them zippers because I was trying to come up with a creative name. (laughs) Zippers. Catch this. One in five Christians in the United States gives zero dollars, and I'm not talking to the church, I mean just in general, like to nonprofits, for good things, Red Cross, anything like that. One in five Christians, over 20%, who claim to be followers of Jesus, give no money away every year. Zero. Now, when I think about the generosity of God and then consider that statistic, that is mind-blowing to me. And like I said, I'm not talking specifically to the church. If we're followers of Jesus... And God is a generous God, and Jesus was generous in all that he did. How could we not be more generous with what we've received than that? Zero. And I think the greatest challenge for those who are in this category, those who would say, that's probably where I am, I think the greatest challenge is we tend to focus on everything that we don't have rather than what we do have. I think we we tend to look at, just like when I moved into the house, everything that I want to have in the house rather than the house itself. I think that just kind of grabs our minds, grabs our hearts, and we get locked into that. So first category, zippers. One in five Christians gives zero dollars away to good things around the world. Uh, Second category, emergers. Um, Emergers give randomly. I almost call them tippers because it's almost like tippers, but there's no plan for their giving. When they, when they walk into a, a space and something moves their heart, they give money. And it's almost like tipping at a restaurant. If you get good service, then it moves you maybe to give a bigger tip. And this is a good place to grow in generosity. It's not a negative thing. When God moves our hearts, he wants us to respond. Um, this, they say, as, as the generations age, this is where the younger generations tend to reside. Um, beginning with... with I'm going to call myself young here for a second. Beginning with my generation and below, they say that we respond more to like needs that we see on TV or needs that we hear about than we do 
like some sort of planned generosity to anything. We just tend to respond with money when we see something, which is a good thing. God wants us to do that. But if we're going to continue to grow in generosity, I think God wants us to have a plan for that. Um, The next level, next category of financial giving is tithers. Now, this is an old word. Anybody ever heard of tithing? A few people. Okay, so some of you grew up in church like I did. Tithing is something my parents taught me to do from a very young age. Maybe some of you are in that same same place. Um, Tithing is 10% of your income, giving away 10% of your income, which I know for some just sounds crazy. That's a lot. That could be a lot of money. When I uh, first started receiving an allowance, um, my first allowance was $10. And my parents made me give a dollar to the church, which didn't seem like that big of a deal to me. One dollar, I still have nine. I can buy like seven or eight Hot Wheels or a set of Legos or whatever. So I'm good with that. I can give away a dollar. Then when I actually started making more money, I realized that 10% is actually a lot. And it's harder to give away 10%, especially when your parents don't make you do it. Um, Tithing is an interesting thing. There's a lot of debate about whether or not tithing is a part of the New Testament. Um, Some of you, right, just me saying that is like, what's the New Testament? So there's the Old Testament is the stories of God before the time of Jesus, and then there's the stories when Jesus came and after. And some people would say that the stories of Jesus and after kind of changed everything. And so in the Old Testament, they were taught to tithe, and it goes way back in the Old Testament, this idea of bringing 10% to the temple, to the actual... So in today's world, it would be like the church, so bring 10% to the church, take care of of, um, uh, the community through the church, and then there'll be times when you give other gifts and things that happen. Some people say that in the times of Jesus, that everything changed. Um, what, What do I think? This is my perspective, and I know there are people who love Jesus on both sides of this debate. Here's what what I believe about it. I believe that Jesus, when he challenged people, he always challenged people in a heart issue way rather than in a specific number kind of a way. And I think what Jesus wanted us to kind of take on is that there's, there's probably a level of generosity that's expected from Christians, but that your heart should continually move you beyond that level. You should be stretched to grow in your generosity, no matter how much you give away. Um, For me, I grew up under this this simple model of 10-90. It was this simple idea that you give 10% away, and you live on 90%, and you figure it out. And I'm so grateful that my parents taught me this. I'm so thankful that they taught me to live this way. Robin's parents taught her the same thing, so we didn't have too much financial Uh, um, butting of heads when it came to tithing, we both agreed we should tithe. That should be our starting point. When I finished college, I met with a financial advisor, and he taught me a different plan. He taught me this plan, the 10-80-10 plan. You tithe 10%, you live on 80%, and then you take the other 10% and you work on savings or retirement or something like that. And he said, "If if you begin that now, your life will be so much better in the future. And I said, okay, that sounds good to me. So I started giving 10% to my retirement when I first got out of college. And if you're young, if you're in high school or college right now, I would encourage you to do this. Start putting it away. And don't even think anything about it. Act like you don't even make it. It's a good thing to do. Um, And then as I continued to kind of grow, there was this other idea of living with some margin. So this idea of 10, 70, 10, 10. And I'm not going to go any further than that, okay? So some of you are like, this is already confusing. (laughs) 
when I, when I meet with young couples and, and we talk about marriage, and one of the things I encourage is to work in this direction. The place where you could give away 10%, where you could live on 70%, you could save 10% for retirement, and then beyond that, you have some margin. So you can do some things maybe that you wouldn't normally get to do if you're spending everything that you have. You just don't consume it all yourself. Okay, enough with the financial lesson. The idea there is that people who are in this category have a plan for generosity. They, they say, I'm going to give a certain amount, a percentage amount of my income each and every week or each and every month because I believe that helps me not to get too caught up with my money. It helps me be more generous as God is generous. And then one last category, and there's a ton of people in this category. It's the beyonders. It's those who, who don't even look at numbers anymore. They just give beyond 10%. There's a, there's a guy in our church um, who started a business a few years ago. And uh, he made this decision. He said, um, I'm going to begin this business, and we're going to do work all around the country and maybe around the world eventually. It's now a multi-million dollar company. does unbelievable things. In every area that they go and do work in, in every region of the country that they do work in, at the end of the project... They take 10% of what they've made and they reinvest it in the community through a nonprofit or a church. And so talking about this with him, I thought, that's unbelievable that you do that as a, as a company. You know, don't those who own the company want more of that income for themselves? And he said, well, I own the company and that's what I've decided to do. And I said, well, does that mean you don't tithe like personally because you do that as a company? He said, oh, no, 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 I still tithe 10% of what I make but I just want to do beyond because God has been so good to me. I think that's what it means to be a beyonder, is that you just think outside of the box of how can I be more generous with my business, with my relationships, not just maybe to the church. Now, I'm going to challenge you here in a minute to think about ways that you're growing in your generosity. And some of you might hear this as I'm asking you to give more money to the church, and I want you to hear my heart. I'm, I'm not. Um, if you want to give to the church, I'm not going to stop you from that. But I'm not, I'm not begging you to give money to the church. It's not about money to the church. It's not about God wanting something from us. It's God wanting something for us. He wants us to be more generous because we experience a better kind of life when we don't just consume everything on our own. Jesus said it this way. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. And I think one of the things that we can take that to mean is that if we aren't generous with the treasure that we have, our time, our talents, all of it, that our heart gets locked up in things that aren't eternal. And we are never content with what we have. Joe and the band are going to come out and they're going to lead us in this last um, song. And um, what I want us to do kind of in this, these last minutes is think about this one, one thing. And you can sing if you want. You can get up and come to the cross and write a note or a prayer if you want to do that. You can light a candle if you want to do that. All that, op you're open to respond however you want. But for some of us, um, I want us to wrestle with this one question. How are you being intentional about growing in generosity? How are you being intentional about not consuming all that you have? And to get more specific and more granular with it, if you're someone who would be in that granular category, or that, that, that first category, the zippers category, what could you do in the next couple of months 
to begin growing in generosity? How could you become an emerging generous person? If, if you're in that emerging category, if you've you know, given here and you've given there and you've given to different things that have moved your heart, is there a way that you could step into a more planned generosity where you give a percentage of what you make? That might be here at McDowell. It might be with one of the ministries we support around the world. It might be with something that you know on your own. If you're someone who's a tither, and this is something that kind of is hard for me, because I think we should always be growing in our generosity. It's something that Robin and I, like I said, have, have done for years. How is it that we can continue to grow in generosity beyond what we've gotten comfortable with? How can we be moved to move beyond a simple number? How can our heart break for those that we see around us more and more and more? And beyond the financial thing. So for those of you who tuned out for the financial lesson, come back. How can we be more generous in our relationships with one another? As we read posts on Facebook that are so at times impersonal, how can we be more gracious? How can we respond with love and grace and mercy? How can we reflect our heavenly father who loved the world so much that he gave his only son? How can we do that as we grow into the generosity he's called us to? Father God, um, you are a generous, good father. And God, it is so easy for us to, to simply be consumers in this world. People who just take and consume all that you give us, all that we experience. God, it, it's easy for us to believe that, that the things that we have are simply because of our own work. And sometimes it is our, our, our work that helps us, but God, it is your blessings that provide all that we have. Help us to see that and understand that. God, help us to be more gracious as you're gracious. Help us to be more generous in our finances, in our conversations, in our relationships, in our forgiveness. God, may we overflow with generosity in all these ways. And may we experience the life that is truly worth living. 